20, Revelation chapter 20, and uh, after Sunday night, I just really, really felt impressed that we needed to go just a little bit further with this subject that we, uh, that we dealt with Sunday night. And so, uh, anyway, um, just really sought the Lord and asked the Lord to, to guide me and, and help me to, to make sure that I was heading in the right direction for tonight. But, I, but God never really gave me any, any other inkling that I was supposed to go in other directions. So I really feel like this is, this is the direction that God would have us to head tonight. And uh, now, so tonight we're going to be, this is going to be a little different, going to be a little informative, to, uh, informative tonight, and this will be a little bit more like a class, a little bit, it's going to be uh, a little bit more teachy tonight, and, uh, and I'm going to pay attention to the outline maybe a little bit more than I normally would. And what I've done tonight is, uh, I, I, what I've done is any scripture that's outside of the book of Revelation, I've uh, pretty much, I've put on the handout, that way uh, we'd make sure that we had time to go, go to all these, and so we've made them just real easy for you there. Uh, we'll use a number of scriptures in the book of Revelation tonight, but some of these are outside the book of Revelation, and so just to, to make it a little easier for you, I thought I'd put them in a handout form. And so great to see you in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. How many are glad to learn, uh, ready to learn? Amen? Amen. All right, so why don't we stand one last time, stretch your legs while we read our Bibles tonight. Revelation chapter number 20, and we're going to read the first nine verses tonight and uh, really, really pay attention to these words. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loose a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, and on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And you may be seated tonight. And, you know, one thing I've figured out about Revelation is there's a lot of different interpretations and a lot of different, a lot of different beliefs. I'm going to try to just give you what I really believe the Lord has shown me tonight. And, uh, and I want to talk to you about what you're seeing on the screen tonight, citizens of the kingdom. We talked about uh, a kingdom blessing Sunday night. And again, I just really felt impressed in my spirit to go just a little bit further uh, tonight with this subject. And, and uh, here again, I'm not sure that this message has a hook in it, and I like a message that's got a hook in it. 
uh, and but I, I but I I, I I believe this is the direction we're supposed to go tonight. So let's pray, and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you so much for church, and thank you for letting us come back to the house of the Lord tonight. And God, we're just thankful for your blessings. Thank you for, for a great time of music and singing. And then, Lord, a wonderful time of fellowship and just being able to come and glean from one another and, and be encouraged by uh, other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, Lord, thank you for the wonderful missionaries that, that we support around the world. Thank you for the Sotos and what they're doing there, uh, Lord, in, in Hawaii. And then we're, we're grateful to meet the painters tonight and, and how, God, we pray that you'd bless them as they prepare to go to the country of Thailand, uh, Lord, a place that spiritually is very dark and and they need Jesus tonight and Heavenly Father I pray that you would expedite uh, Lord their uh, their deputation if that might be your will and I pray that they would be on the the field sooner than maybe even what they ever expected and I pray that you'd give them souls for their labors and provide for their needs and Lord I pray that you'd keep them encouraged I do know just a little bit about that not not a lot but I know a little bit about the deputation trail it can be very discouraging and so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd encourage them in a wonderful way tonight. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments before we close this service, and as we uh, dig and, and delve into the Word of God, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd give us understanding. We desire it, Lord. We need it. And I pray that you'd help us to know what we believe. And so, Lord, be with us. Guide my thoughts and the intents of my heart, the words that I'll say. I pray that we'll not confuse folks tonight, but I pray that... Uh, Lord, that uh, Lord will be able to enlighten uh, people about your word. And so, Lord, I pray that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, would be glorified and lifted up. And I pray that, uh, Lord, we'll put our eyes on the Master tonight. So help us, please, Father. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. <clears throat> Thought about this. In creative writing, authors are encouraged not to use the same words in a repetitive sequence. The challenge in writing is using the same thought but describing it with different words. The Bible, on the other hand, doesn't use that rule. In fact, the Spirit of God uses the same exact words over and over again and he does it on purpose. He doesn't do it because he couldn't think of any other words to use. He uses those same words over and over again as a way of emphasizing a very important truth that he's trying to stand out to the people of God. We notice that in Revelation chapter 20. I'm not sure if you caught on to that as we're reading it tonight. But we notice that the Holy Spirit is very careful to emphasize some words. You'll notice, for instance, in verse number 2, the Bible says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Look at this. And bound him, how many years? A thousand years. We notice verse 3. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him, uh, and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the, there's a, there it is again, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Verse number 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, in which it not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they 
lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We notice verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. We notice verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We notice verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loose out of his prison. And so we notice here that the Spirit of God is very careful to emphasize over and over again the phrase, a thousand years. And so he wants us to understand that when Christ comes to set up his kingdom on the earth, that it will span 1,000 years. That's important. Now, just to put it in perspective, you know, and again, I'm not sure that our minds can really grasp that. But to put it in perspective tonight, you think about it. For instance, America is, as a nation, is only 243 years old. I mean, you think about all the years and all the days since George Washington, our founding father or president, and, uh, and up until the, the time that you and I live in today, only 243 years old. And yet, the kingdom of Christ, when Jesus comes to set up his kingdom on the earth, will span a thousand years. Now, the other night we talked uh, on kingdom blessing, and we uh, talked a little bit on the millennial reign of Christ. And, and, uh, but let me tell you why we're going down this road tonight, because I'm, I'm just a little fearful that I, uh, and, I, and I, I felt like we had a good service Sunday night, and I felt like the Lord blessed us, and, and I felt like we learned a little bit. But I'm a little fearful that I may have, may have confused a few folks on, uh, on, on an issue or two. And, uh, and so after the service, we had some good feedback and some good questions. And whenever I get a question like that, man, I want to come back and answer it. And I want to, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're understanding. And uh, now, if you were in the service Sunday night, I made this statement. I said that death will be present during the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. But nothing like we know now. now. We had mentioned Sunday night that people will live for many, many years. And we'll get into that a little bit more in depth in just a moment. But although they will live for many years, there will be death. And, uh, and after the service, I think there was just a little, you know, just a little confusion about that. And so I want to try to, if I can tonight, I want to try to, uh, you know, clear that up if I could. And so with that tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about citizens of the kingdom. And I want to tell you who is going to be present. Who is it that's going to be present in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ? And specifically, who is it that will live eternally and who will be subject to death during the millennial reign of Christ? And so you've got your handouts tonight. I'll put a couple of things up on the screen, not much tonight. But how about this? Number one, we notice this, that the raptured saints will be present in the millennial reign of Christ. Now, when I say raptured saints, I mean those that were a part of the church and, and those that are called away to meet the Lord in the air. And we tried to illustrate that out for you Sunday night as we brought some of the men up uh, in front of the congregation. But, uh, but the raptured saints. Now, if you're here tonight and you're born again, you will be a part of that group. 
you'll be a part of the raptured saints. And as I mentioned Sunday night, thank God we're not looking for the undertaker as much as we're looking for the upper taker. And I'm thankful that there's coming a day when the trumpet of God is going to sound and Jesus is going is to come and you and I are going to be raptured out of this world. Now, I want you to understand something tonight. That raptured saints will live eternally. If you are a born-again child of God and you're caught away in the rapture of the church, you, my friend, will never have to worry about death again. It'll never be an option for you again. In fact, notice, if you will, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no Power. And so thank God, if you're a raptured saint, you're going to live forever. And so I don't want us to be confused about that. Now let me, let me make several statements here. How about this? Number one is this. At the rapture of the church, the saved will be caught away by Christ. Now you'll notice in your handout tonight, I've got 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There are other places that we can go that deal with the rapture of the church. But let's go there at least tonight uh, for the sake of clarity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so thank God we can comfort one another with the thought of the rapture. Now, if I had to stand up in, in, in front of you here tonight and say, hey, church, y'all get ready. We're going through. I mean, listen, start preparing. Start getting your generators ready and, and, uh, and start, to, you know, uh, getting your, your food put together because, you know what, we're just going to do the best we can and we're going through the tribulation and we're going to have to endure the Antichrist and we're going to have to endure the seven-sealed book and we're going to have to endure the trumpet judgments and the vile judgments and the sickness and the pestilence and the disease and all the death. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure that would be very comforting. But the writer, but Paul says this, man, comfort the people. Let them know that there is a rapture that's going to take place. And so should we learn about the Antichrist? Yeah. But you know what? Really and truly, if you're a saint of God, you don't have to worry about the Antichrist tonight. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, all the different judgments that are going to take place. Thank God they're going to take place in the tribulation because you and I will be gone. Now, if you're here tonight and you don't know that you know, that you're born again and on your way to, uh, to heaven. I'm telling you what I'd do. Man, I wouldn't leave this property until I made sure that I know Christ as my personal Savior because it could be that the rapture we're talking about could happen tonight. Uh, now listen, regardless of when it happens, it's going to happen. The rapture of the church is going to come and the saved will be caught away by Christ. Number two is this. While the tribulation unfolds on earth, the raptured saints will be in heaven with Christ. And so the Lord will catch us away. Uh, thank God we'll leave this world behind. And, uh, and we're going to be 
in heaven with the Lord. Now, during that time, and, and this is a little bit of review. I talked about this a little bit Sunday night. But during that time, there's going to be several things going on. Number one is this. We're going to, be, we're going to face the judgment seat of Christ, which is going to be a judgment of our works, what you've done for Christ. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing for the Lord? Are you doing it because you love Christ? Are you doing it because uh, you understand that you owe him a debt of gratitude? Or are you doing it to be seen? Are you doing it to have a title? Are you doing it so someone will brag on you? Uh, and so uh, it's going to be a motive. I believe the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a motive judgment. Why did you do what you did for Christ? And, uh, and so we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, every one of us will. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. And we'll stand before Christ. We've all got an appointment. And so we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. But also during that time will be the marriage celebration and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll enjoy a wonderful time with the Lord uh, at this great celebration. Number three is this. Following the tribulation will be the second coming of Christ to the earth. Now, uh, don't forget what we said Sunday night. Don't get the rapture and the second coming mixed up because they're two very different separate things. The rapture of the church, we will be called out. But the second coming of Christ will take place at the close of the tribulation period. And Jesus will come the second time. Now that's important. You see, he came the first time as a babe in a manger. He came the first time as the lowly son of man. He came the first time as the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He came the first time as a servant. He came the first time riding a colt. But I want to tell you, the second time he comes, he won't come as a babe in a manger. And the second time he comes, he'll come as a king. In fact, he'll come as king of kings and lord of lords. And he'll not be riding a colt, but my dear friend, he'll be riding a stallion when he comes. And he'll come as a conqueror when he comes to this earth. Now, Revelation chapter 19, you're right there close by that. Revelation chapter 19, and look at verse number 11. The Bible says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, what's that talking about? It's talking about the second coming of Christ. And so Christ is going to come to this earth. Now, number four is this. The raptured saints who have been with Christ in heaven will return with Jesus to the earth after the tribulation. Uh, and you, you, you see that in uh, verse number 14, what we just read, verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And so uh, those of us that have been raptured out of this world and we're with the Lord, 
we'll go through the judgment seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb, and, and as Christ makes his return to this earth, you and I will return with him. And at that point, we will rule and reign with Christ a thousand years. By the way, we will do so in a glorified body. Now, again, we're going somewhere with this, so I hope you'll, you'll stay with me. Again, notice Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 6. The Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, I'm not preaching on this, but, but the Lord just seemed to give this to me uh, uh, the other day. Our, uh, during that, that millennial reign of Christ, our level of authority then will be based upon our level of faithfulness now. And so you say, preacher, what are we going to do in the millennial reign of Christ? We're going to rule and reign? We're going to rule and reign? And so uh, uh, well, uh, you say, preacher, how do I know, you know what, what I'll be doing? Well, I know this, that the extent of what you'll do in the millennial reign of Christ is determined upon what you do now for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and I put it in your handout, Luke chapter 19. The Lord gives us a, a picture of this. Luke 19, and look at verse 16. The Bible says, Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here's thy pound, which I've kept laid up in a napkin. I knew I should have went to church, but I wanted to go do something else. And I knew I should have went to church, but they were playing the Super Bowl. And I knew I should have went out visiting, but uh, I had 10 million excuses for not doing so. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up, thou laidest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Now, I don't, I'm not going to even stand here and tell you that I understand all of that, but I will tell you this, I believe I understand it well enough to tell you this, that, in, that when we get into the millennial reign of Christ, you know what? Uh, the level that God is going to use you then is determined on what you do now for the cause of Christ. Now, Calvary, I'm going to be honest with you, that, that in itself ought to be enough to motivate us to get busy for God. Oh, listen, don't wait. Don't procrastinate. You say, Pastor, I'm 16 years old, but when I get to be 20, I'm going to really get on fire for God. Man, don't wait till you're 20. Go ahead and serve God now. Go ahead and give your life to Christ now. Go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to be a preacher now. I'm going to be a missionary now. I'm going to be a soul winner now. I'm going to live for Christ now. I want to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we notice here, the raptured saints will be present in the kingdom of Christ and they'll be present in their glorified bodies. Now, you say, wait a minute, preacher. Now, wait a minute. Now, I'm really confused now. Because you said Sunday night that there's going to be death in the millennial reign of Christ. And there is going to be death in the millennial reign of Christ. So that leads us to our second point, and that's this. Not only will the raptured saints be present in the kingdom of Christ, 
Now, this is where things get a little confusing if you don't really pay attention. But number two, the tribulation saints will be present in the millennial reign of Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. Multitudes of people will come through the seven years of tribulation refusing the mark of the beast. Now, let's stop just a moment. Let's, let's call a timeout and stop just a moment. Let me refresh your memory. During the tribulation period, the Antichrist will come on the scene. He will pretty much take over. He'll be the dictator, if you will. He'll set up his own kingdom. Every man and woman will have to receive that mark of the beast in order to be involved in any type of commerce. If you're going to go into the grocery store and buy some groceries, if you're going to go to the emergency room and, and get some medical treatment uh, for your child or for yourself, uh, uh, you're going to go, uh, I don't think there'll be much gas. I'm going to be honest. I think fuel will be a thing of the past. But, but if, you're, if you're going to go to the, the gas station and, and get fuel for your car, uh, you know what? Uh, you won't be able to do so without that mark of the beast. You've got to receive the mark of the beast in order to be involved in any type of commerce. But... There will be many people who make it through the seven-year tribulation without receiving that mark of the beast. They'll refuse the mark. Of, they'll be believers in Christ, and so they'll refuse the mark of the beast. Now, I want to tell you something about those folks that refuse the mark of the beast. It won't be a pleasant time for them. Those who refuse the mark of the beast will suffer. They'll suffer incredibly. They'll suffer ridicule. They'll suffer uh, mocking. The Bible tells us that. They'll suffer from starvation. They'll literally have to live off the land. They'll suffer from starvation. They'll be, they'll be hunted night and day by the Antichrist. They'll be like fugitives from the law because they won't receive the mark, because they, they profess faith in Jesus Christ. And so they'll be hunted night and day. And by the way, if they're caught, they'll be beheaded. They'll be instantly executed. They'll be imprisoned. But understand that some, you say, how many? I don't know how many, but some will make it all the way to the end of the seven-year tribulation. They will endure uh, to the end of the tribulation without receiving the mark of the beast. Now, uh, look, if you will, at uh, Matthew chapter 24. Again, we've got this in your handout tonight. But some folks get this a little confused. They think this is actually speaking of the rapture when this is not speaking of the rapture, this is speaking of the tribulation. And so Matthew chapter 24, uh, 24 verse 7 says, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. That's what I was just talking about. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now look at verse 13. The Bible says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now church, that's not talking about you. That's not talking about me. We're not saved by enduring. We're saved by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's how we're saved. And so people read this and they think, you know, this means if we're going to be saved, we've got to hold out to the end. That's not what the Bible's teaching there. The Bible is talking about those 
tribulation saints, those that are in the tribulation, if they receive the mark of the beast, they're damned. That's it. It's a done deal. They're damned. But for those who, who refuse the mark of the beast, they'll be on a constant run. They'll be hunted down. But some will endure to the end. Now, follow me closely, church. At the close of the tribulation, Christ will come to set up his kingdom on the earth. We talked about this Sunday night. Oh, what a time it's going to be. The Bible says that the earth will be filled with his glory. The curse will be lifted. And we, we took some time and spent some time on that Sunday night, so I won't do it tonight. Satan will be bound a thousand years. Now, I want you to watch closely. Brother Ricky, can I use you again tonight? I want you to stand right over here, if you will. We're going to pretend that you're Jesus tonight, okay? <laughs> and uh, this is Jesus. Jesus has come. He's, he's, his second coming. He is now uh, going to set up his millennial kingdom on the earth. And so here is, uh, uh, let's see, Brother Donnie, can I use you again tonight? Come up, for, uh, up here, if you will. And so here's, here's a tribulation saint. Now, we know he puts Miss Tamara through tribulation, but... <laughs> But here's the tribulation saint. He's into the tri in, in the tribulation period, and, and uh, he realizes that Christ is the Messiah. Christ is the Savior. He realizes that if he receives the mark of the beast, he's damned forever in eternity. And so here's a, a tribulation saint that uh, wasn't raptured out with you and I. He wasn't saved before the tribulation. Uh, and so, uh, you know what? Church is gone. He's left behind. But in the midst of the tribulation, he understands that Jesus is the Son of God. He understands that if he receives the mark of the beast, he's damned. And so he believes that Christ, uh, he believes in Christ as Savior. And so for the next seven years or how many ever years, he's running from the Antichrist. He's dodging the law, dodging the government. He's living off the land. He's having to eat anything he can eat. And, and he just... You know what? It's the last year of the tribulation, the seventh year. And here he is in the tribulation. Jesus comes to the earth and uh, he puts the Antichrist down and the false prophet and bans them to hell. And Jesus begins to set up his millennial reign on the earth. Wait a minute now. Here's this tribulation saint. He endured to the end. And all of a sudden this tribulation saint passes from the tribulation period into the millennial reign of Christ. Now, wait a minute now. He makes that trip in his physical body. And so here's a physical man that, that, that goes from the awful tribulation and now passes into the millennial reign of Christ, thousand-year honeymoon, curses lifted, but he goes into the millennial reign in his physical body. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that very much. And so the tribulation saints are going to be there. Now because the curse has been lifted, that tribulation saint will, will live with great perpetuity and longevity. Listen, uh, that, that tribulation saint will live like the Old Testament patriarchs. Methuselah, remember Methuselah? 
uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 20. I didn't put that in your handout. But the Bible says, and all the days of Methuselah were 969 years. 969. That's a lot of birthday baskets right there, brother. That's a lot of birthday clubs. You say, Pastor, you really believe that? Brother, if it's in this book, I believe it. Ever jot, ever tittle, I believe it. And so here was a man that lived 969 years. And so here's this tribulation saint that goes into the millennial reign of Christ. And now the curse, the curse has been lifted. And so men begin to live long, long lives. In fact, I want you to go back, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 65. And again, I think I've got this in your handout. But Isaiah chapter 65. And look what Isaiah tells us about the millennial reign of Christ. Isaiah 65 in verse number 17. The Bible says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Verse 18. But, ye, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing and her people of joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Now look at verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build another inhabit. They shall not plant another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. And so those tribulation saints, all they're in that physical body will live for hundreds. Can you imagine that? They'll live for hundreds and hundreds of years. But think about this. They'll live those hundreds of years in that same old flesh with that same old sinful Adamic nature, with the ability to sin. Now, now, thank God, you know, during the millennial reign of Christ, Satan's bound. And so Satan won't be there to tempt and tempt and tempt and tempt. And uh, uh, he'll, he'll be out of the picture, so thank God for that. The earth will be ruled by Jesus Christ with a rod of iron. And so sin, during that time, sin will be outlawed. Oh, there'll be no abortion in that time. There'll be no homosexuality in that time. And by the way, there'll be no debating about it. And you won't have to worry about debating with me about it or, or Brother Looney or anybody else. I'm telling you what, sin will absolutely be outlawed. And if a tribulation saint willfully rejects Christ and commits sin, there life will end. So somebody says, preacher, who's going to die in the millennial reign of Christ? Tribulation saints. We will be in our glorified body, but the tribulation saints will still be in their physical body. Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, this flesh, I don't know about y'all, my flesh gives me more trouble. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to the day when I get the trader in for a new model. Amen. And oh mercy, oh mercy. Now, now let me give you one last point. We're gonna we're gonna let you go to the house. The tribulation saints is where Satan will gather his one last army from. And so think about it. 
These tribulation saints, they've passed from the, from the tribulation in the millennial reign of Christ, but in their physical bodies. Now, granted, curses lifted. They're going to live for thousands or for hundreds of years uh, like a tree. And during that time, they will, they will reproduce millions of offspring. And so my wife and I, you know, we're, uh, you know, you know, if we make, hopefully we'll make it till, to 80, 85, 90 years old, whatever, whatever the, the, the case may be there. And uh, uh, we've had, you know, we've had, uh, we've got four children, one in heaven and three, three kids. Now we've got, you know, we all, we're getting ready to have seven grandkids. And now wait a minute now, you think about a guy that in the millennial reign of Christ, a hundred years old would be considered a child. And so you're 250 years old, man, you're just a teenager. Uh, you're just a teen, 250 years old, just a teen. Now, wait a minute now. These people will live for hundreds of years, and so they will bear millions of offspring. Now, wait a minute. You think about this. In a thousand-year time, many of those offspring, they won't know anything about the rapture. They will have long forgotten about the tribulation period. Their parents came from that, but they didn't. And so they don't know anything about the tribulation period. They don't know anything about the Antichrist. Uh, they know about the Christ because he's ruling and reigning. Uh, but they don't know anything about that. All they know is this, that, that they've been birthed into a world where a curse is lifted and they're li living in a Garden of Eden state. But many of them, and, and as, as crazy as this is, many of them, and how does this happen, Brother Looney? How does this happen? How can it happen that Christ will rule and reign the earth in a state of perfection and yet many of those that are born during the millennial reign of Christ will not accept him as Savior? So at the end of that 1,000 years, the Bible clearly tells us that God is going to release Satan one last time. And Satan will come on this earth and somebody says, Preacher, Where's he going to get his army from? He'll get his army from all those young people that have been birthed during the tribulation period. And somehow he will convince them to rebel against Christ. By the way, they'll be wiped out. They'll be wiped out. And they'll be damned for eternity in hell. Uh, look, if you will, Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. We're, we're done. Revelation 20, verse 7. The Bible says, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints round about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So who will die during the millennial reign of Christ? The tribulation saints will die during the millennial reign of Christ. Now I want to give you two, two, two practical statements and we're, and we're done. Number one is this. First of all, we see a terrible act of foolishness. Now we're done. Think about this, church. Think about this. Man. I preached a message one time called The Worst Decision in History. Here are some people that have made it through the tribulation. They have made it into the millennial reign of Christ. On God's prophetical calendar, we're almost in eternity. After the millennial reign of Christ, the great white throne, 
new heaven, new earth, eternity. You understand that these people right, right here, these tribulation saints, are so close to eternity. They're almost there. They don't have to worry about the tribulation. They don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They're almost in eternity, and yet they reject the Lord and die and go to hell. My goodness, what a foolish Foolish decision. But I'm going to tell you an equally foolish decision. That's when you reject Christ right now. And you're here tonight and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you're born again and on your way to heaven, brother. It is a, and I'm, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm just telling you, it is a foolish person who would walk out that door right there and go to your home tonight not knowing that Christ is your Savior. Because the truth of the matter is, you don't know if you'll ever get another chance to get born again. We see a terrible act of foolishness, and I'm done. Number two is this. We see the reason for faithfulness. We see the reason for faithfulness. What do you mean, preacher? We're on the winning side. <laughs> We're on the winning side, church. We can't lose. Listen, this is as bad as it's ever going to get for the child of God. Our Savior is going to come. He's going to rule and reign, and we're going to reign with Him. Listen, brother, we are not. If you're here tonight and you're a child of God, you are not going to lose. You're on the winning side. You're on the winning side. Man, you've heard that little story about that little boy. He's in there reading. You know, he's, he's really in this book. He's reading this book, and it's about, the, about the, uh, the, the good guy, the hero, and the villain and uh, man, he's just, he's glued. And, and, uh, and he gets to that part in the book and the villain has got the good guy all tied up with ropes and he's got him laid on the tracks, the railroad tracks. And the train is coming around the mountain and you can hear it as it makes its way around the mountain. And the old villain is, is there laughing and rubbing his hands together and he says, I got you, I got you. And uh, all of a sudden he's reading this book and his mama says, Johnny, come in here. She said, I need some help. He said, Mama. I can't come right now. She said, boy, you get in here right now. Get in here and help me. He said, mama, I can't come. I mean, he's on the tracks. I mean, the good guy's on the tracks and the train's barreling around the corner. He said, mama, I can't come. He, she said, you get in here. Or I'm going to give you a spanking. And that boy, desperate to know what was going to happen, turned that book to the last page. And he came in strutting in that kitchen. He said, oh, Mr. Villain, you thought you had him. You thought you were going to come out in the winter. But I'm going to tell you what. Hey, you getting ready to get yours. Amen. I'm just telling you, thank God. Hey, Calvary, I've read the last page. Amen. I know how things are going to turn out. You are on the winning side. Let's be faithful. Let's keep serving God. It's worth it tonight to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And God, I pray that we've learned. I pray we've learned a little something this evening. And God, thank you that we are on the winning side tonight. Thank you for a so great salvation. And thank you that I serve a Savior, a victorious Savior. And Lord, because he is victorious, thank God I too can have victory. And God, because he was resurrected to live a new life, thank God I can be resurrected to live a new life. And I will live a new life. And I thank you for that. Lord, it could be there may be one here tonight that doesn't know for sure they're on their way to heaven. And God, if that be the case, 
in just a moment, we're going to give them the opportunity to come. And I pray that, Lord, they'll come tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus, help them not to hold off. Help them not to, to wait. Help them not to procrastinate. I pray they can't get down the aisle fast enough. And, God, I pray they'll come and give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let the enemy keep them in their seat. God, please don't, don't, don't allow anything to discourage them. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they will leave this place knowing that they're on their way to heaven. And so, Lord, help us tonight, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes are closed, and uh, we're going to have an invitation in just a moment. And uh, with nobody moving, just for a moment. I wonder if there may be one here tonight, anywhere, anywhere around the room. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to drag somebody down an aisle. But I wonder if there may be one here tonight, anywhere, who would say, Pastor, Lord, use the message to speak to my heart tonight. And preacher, if I died, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. Preacher, I want to go, but I'm just not 100% sure. And oh, I want you to pray for me. And right now, you'd slip your hand up right now. Let me remember you. Can I pray for you tonight? You'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere? You'd slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure you'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? I'm not sure. Not sure. Not sure. All right, buddy. Amen. I believe it. You're looking at me. I'm, I believe you're honest. Hallelujah. God's speaking to some hearts. You know, a revelation will make you think. Revelation will make you think about some things. Amen. Somebody else here tonight, preacher, if I died, then I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I want to be. You'd slip your hand up. Is there another anywhere? You'd raise your hand right now. All right. Very quietly, would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Father, I pray now that you'll work in this invitation. And God, I pray that you'd give folks courage now to make the right decisions. I pray, Lord, that they would not allow the devil to distract or deter them in any way. God, I pray they do business with thee tonight. God, may we be sure that we know that Christ is our Savior. Have your way in this invitation, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastors in the front, I want you to come right now. If you raised your hand, I want you to come. Come on right now. Just come on. Step out. Come on tonight. God spoke to your heart. You were serious about it. Man, let's, let's do business with God. I'm going to make my way to the main floor, and I want to invite you to come, and we're going to be here for you tonight. You come tonight while we wait.